Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream, or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. My name is Wayne. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, And this morning we're going to talk about, as you can see on the screen, marriage. But before we dive in there, I need uh, you to repeat a statement after me. Repeat this after me, all right? This message probably will not end. That's it. No. Sorry. This message. Hmm. Let's see. Let's see. This message probably will not end where I think it will. So I promise I will not bail out before the end. All right. Awesome. Hey, you can open up if you have a copy handy, Ephesians 5 to Ephesians 5. All the scriptures will be on screen, but there will be a time especially when um, you might want to look in context about the whole, a whole list I'm presenting and uh, validate that I'm not making this up. Okay, so um, first thing before you do anything else, one thing I need to say, and that is God does not love married people any more or any less than anybody else. So if you're single, if you're divorced, you've lost a spouse, whatever the case might be, God loves you just as much as these married people we're going to spend a good bit of time talking about today. And and we need to do this because um, it has a real impact on our understanding of a number of things. So uh, there will be something for everybody, not just married people. By the end of this uh, message, uh, we have had something for everyone. So one more time, this message probably will not end where I think it will. Therefore, I will not bail out before the end. All right, we're going to jump right in. Um, Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to go to verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Why submit to your... No one left yet. That's good. I, I, I heard some gasps. And, and that's the way we respond to this scripture, if we're willing to even read it. And for women, sometimes you've had or seen or heard about some really horrendous examples of, of people controlling spouses off of this scripture. But let's take it back. Take a step back. Submit to one another out of reference for Christ. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. All right, in a lot of versions of Scripture, uh, earlier versions of even of, of uh, versions that don't uh, retain this rendering now, Uh, most of them have a header somewhere in here. Before, submit to one another, 
or wives submit. The header says rules for Christian living or something like that in your Bible. And uh, some people are understanding that, first of all, you understand that uh, headings, chapters, where verses are, that's a man-made uh, implication of things stuffed in uh, to help people make it easier to find we're all talking about this rather than that. Uh, that's, those are not God-breathed. Now, the rest of the content is. So uh, we've got this heading that appears in most everybody's Bible that says uh, rules for Christian households or whatever, something like that. But it's right here. It appears just before. Okay, here are the rules. Wives, submit. And unfortunately, that's really where uh, it has stayed for a lot of people. And, you know, if Satan loses us to salvation, he says, okay, what else can I do to at least rob you of effectiveness in your walk with Christ? So, so he's fine to mess this up and keep us messed up. But there's a much bigger deal here. Submit in the big picture means yielding to something than our own desires. So before we go anywhere else, we just have to say, Submit means yielding yourself to something other than your own desires. And there's a massive deal here. The rest of Ephesians in this whole passage about rules for uh, Christian households or Christian living. Um, and it starts with the wives submit to your husbands, but you move on down. Then it says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved. Loved giving himself up. Submit to your husbands, which means respect. Love your wife, which means give yourself up. Children, obey your parents, which means honor your father and mother. Next. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Well, what do you mean? Uh, train up the Lord. Train them up in the Lord. And by the way, you're going to get trained up and you won't be nearly as exasperated. Slaves and servants or employees. Obey your master or your boss. What does that mean? Well, serve wholeheartedly. Masters, bosses, or employers, treat those under you with respect. Do not threaten. The whole passage, the whole passage, the whole passage is about submission. All of us is something in somebody and some standard. All of it. Using different words, it's all about submission, all right? So uh, he says, husbands, love your wives just as, oh, by the way, I'm really aware that most men have not read this scripture, <laughs> or it seems like it. We, we, we've read the scripture about wives submit, and sometimes we see really bad examples of wife, woman, Obey, submit, all that kind of stuff, which is bad. We might even know that the character of what somehow what's supposed to be meant, but we don't really know what it does mean. It certainly doesn't apply today, so, so we just don't address it, is the way we go about it. Um, but I wonder how many have really read verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as. Say just as. Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing of water through the word and to present 
her to himself as a radiant church. And, and that would be quite a message all by itself without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, say just as. In the same way, just as husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. That may seem like a little strange thing, but here let me say something. If you don't love your wife, you don't really love yourself. Well, says who? This. If, you, if, if you're not comfortable enough with who you are, that your only mode of operation is control, you're not really okay with who you are. So, now, one other thing here I just probably should say. Men, you know, it says love your wife just as Christ loves the church mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the same way. Mm -hmm. He gave himself up, gave himself up an excruciating death. He said, Father, but be that I will let this cup pass through me. I don't want to do this. Nevertheless, I will. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of implications of this. One simple one is, uh, men, are you aware that in your house there are more places to sit than in front of the TV? And did you know? Well, anyway, we'll let that go. All right. Um, so just as, in the same way, in the same manner, imitating Christ, give yourself up for your wife, um, Prefer her when it comes down to some differences and, you know, let her have the TV remote sometimes. On non-ball game days, yes, but no. All right. So mutual submission is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wife, submit respect. Husband, give yourself up. Uh, demonstrate your love. And so you, so you go, well, I... I I kind of get it, and it sounds okay, but you know, the truth is, sometimes we just don't agree. I don't know if our marriage is unique or not, but sometimes we just don't agree. And I say, you know, I think we should do this. And she said, no, Z would be much better. And I say, you know, three days later, I go, coming at it from a different angle, you know, I've been thinking, what if oh, I don't feel good about that? And it may become a little more intense in that, you know. Um, but, now we're not talking about something really urgent, like we all got to get out of the house because it's on fire. I'm not talking about that kind of decision, all right? We're talking about something that isn't imminent, or probably isn't as close as we think it is. And, and we go, you know what? Some have gone. I'm the male here. I'm the head. Wife submit. I'm just going to make the call. But she'll just have to live with it. Can I tell you something? There's almost never, 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 
never, never, never, never, never a situation where a decision is so crucial that someone has to pull rank before you've arrived in your marriage at unity about the issue. Now, I know a lot of things that some of us husbands try, or maybe wife too, uh, are for the good of the family. You know, I was up the other night at 2.30 a.m. and I saw this, this commercial, and uh, when I was up at 4, it was still on, and, and, and it, it told you how you can make money and, and be independently wealthy, and, and all you got to do is send your money in here, and, you know, I've heard this before, and, and they're still on TV, so there really might be something to it. And of course, dear wife, uh, I want to be independently wealthy so we can do great things for God. <laughs> I don't, I, don't, I don't feel good about that. And you pull the trigger anyway. And How many of those do you have in your lost column within your marriage? But it's really dangerous to say never, so I'm not going to say never, but it's almost never, 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 never. Can I consider a time when, when you would have to pull rank? So we're talking about submission. Man as Christ Submitted the church. So um, here, here's a little interesting tidbit that some have found hard to believe this morning. Um, my wife and I, Christy, my wife's name, uh, we are firstborns. We're the oldest. We're the firstborns in our family on both sides. For those of you who are not firstborn, let me explain what that means. We both are right. And we both know we're right. Now I'm six months older, so my right is more righter than her right, but. You know, we get stuck sometimes, don't we? And, um. We have to work through those. Um, Submission summed up in Ephesians 5. This is now at the back end of this, all this list stuff. Verse 33, uh, of all of the uh, husbands and wives, however, each one of you husbands, and notice husbands is first this time. He's not just picking on wives. Husbands also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Now, we do get stuck. There's a real challenge at times, and we try a lot of things. We're not getting anywhere, um, and some deeper level of understanding is required. This, not seen much anymore, but it's a wire hanger. Now, this one obviously came from the dry cleaner, and it's got more of a sticky and round cardboard on it. So this would be for uh, hanging, um, whatever these are called, pants, yes. And, 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 and so they don't slide off as easy. Now, I, I should go back. I lost some of you men. Hangers, whether they're made out of plastic or this, are for hanging up clothes. I know, we don't use irons anymore, but anyway. All right, so here we go. Here's the hanger, and it's made out of metal. So here's what I did. Uh, 
I gave my wife quite some heartburn. When we were first married, in the first three years or so, we had on our bed um, a quilt made by a dear friend of my wife's, an older lady who had uh, mentored Christy quite a bit. And she gave us this quilt, handmade, and I wasn't all that big one. Quilts and covering the bed and it kept me warm. So that was, that was, that was okay. Um, but Christy was really, really cared about this thing. And I would get dressed in the morning and I would throw my hanger on the bed. I just threw it on the bed. I wasn't out there playing or, you know, digging at it. it was, I just threw it on the bed. But she was irate about that. She became more irate the more times I did it after she asked me not to. And one day, I come into the room in the afternoon, and I find this. In purple handwriting, this is from uh, circa 1988. It's the real. It says this. Oh, first of all, you have to really understand how I found it. Laying there on the bed, I assume placed there very gently. And here's, here's what it says. To whom it may concern, I was found on the bed threatening to damage the quilt. Rumor has it that I have been asked not to lie on the bed while I may not cause damage because my hook is more rounded it's fat and not as sharp. Some of my wire buddies might damage the quilt. I did not know hangers had wire buddies. <laughs> so, please help me by not leaving me on the bed. It's a good, bad habit that could bring both you and I severe distress. Parentheses, personally, I am tired of being thrown on the floor by you-know-who when she finds me laying on the bed. Please remember your loyal hanger. Now there's a P.S. <laughs> she has threatened to take me and all my buddies hostage if you don't cooperate. I don't know if I felt any different about the quilt, but I felt a whole lot different about her feelings about the quilt. And it was so creative. I, my gosh, you have to give in just because of that. All right. I gotta make sure where I went. So, we, we get through all this marriage stuff, husband's love, wife's respect, all that kind of stuff. But then in verse uh, 29 of chapter 5, this whole marriage talk takes kind of a, a weird turn. Ephesians 5, 29, after all, no one ever hated their own body, Paul says, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are all members of his body, the church, 
For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one, sexually and spiritually. This is a profound mystery. And I'm talking about Christ in the church. Then you go, gosh, Paul, yeah, that's a profound mystery. I don't know what you're talking about. Just like most of what you write is a profound mystery. But here's the deal. He says, I'm not just talking about marriage. I'm talking about marriage as a symbol, a reflection, an example of Christ's faithfulness to his church. Is Christ ever unfaithful? Is Christ ever unloving? Does Christ ever disappear and take off and do his own thing? See, marriage was never intended to be an institution. It was always intended to be an illustration. Wow, difference. Let me take care of this. All right. Jesus says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you to the end of the world. Paul himself wrote for uh, Jesus' word, for I am, well, his word, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. In the Old Testament, God had really established uh, the, the priority of marriage. He hadn't yet uh, dived into the despicable practice of uh, polygamy, uh, but he does later. And by the time we hit the New Testament, people have figured out that wasn't the way to go. But he says this. And this is Malachi 2.16. It depends on what translation you're looking at. There's a little bit difference today about how this is exactly translated. But uh, most translations have it this way. Uh, God says, I hate divorce. Let's suppose that's the correct translation. Please understand it does not say God hates divorced people. Yeah, he's disturbed when he sees people getting ripped apart, when children become less secure, when there has to be so much time and energy wasted on, you know, I want them this weekend. No, I get them this weekend. Okay, we got that settled. I want to change it just for this week. No, you can't change it for this week. It's Christmas, another big holiday. Something else, somebody's birthday. Well, my mom wants the kids at her house. And the other one's remarried now. Well, we want them here. <laughs> well, their grandma wants them somewhere else. All that. But here's the deal. He finds it even more uh, difficult than that to swallow. Because what has happened, whether it was intentional or not, through a divorce, his name gets 
besmirched. It is spit on. What he designed it to be, people have looked at it and say, I don't care. Marriage is an illustration. Now, all of us make mistakes. All of us have challenges in our life, and um, we have to get back up and do the best we can as we go on. So let's suppose you, you never heard any of this teaching. You've never seen that. So you, you, you didn't say, man, this would be a good day to make God mad, make him look silly. No, I know that. You, who knows all the details of when you got divorced? Maybe you were a participant in seeking that. Maybe you weren't. You just got saddled with the results of somebody else's actions. But now that you know, you can simply say, Lord, I didn't understand what I was doing. I sure did not intend to misrepresent your faithfulness to your people. Please forgive me. And then Jesus says, I thought you would never ask. We're going on from here. Yeah, there's still some implications and messes sometimes, but we're going on. I'm not here any longer to beat you up. And no other Christian should be either. Okay. So you say, Lord, help me. And maybe I'm in another relationship. I'm in another marriage already. You say, Lord, I want to do this one right. From this day on, for as far as it goes to me, I want to do this one right. So you start again. All right. Um, let me skip a part. What about... Um, Oh, here's, here's a challenge. I skipped something and then planned for the lead-in over here. The big thing that, that all this has to be, whether it's about husbands, wives, whether it's about Jesus and us, whether it's about parents and, and children, the issue is not about uh, um, uh, control, it's about care, which is a big difference. And we all do, we do the things for the people we're responsible for because we want the best outcome for them, just like God. And so... Um, we just try to do the things that are the best. Even the parenting relation and child relationship is also to be a reflection. As parents, we are reflecting the kind of care, permanent love that isn't wishy-washy and darts off sometimes when we were bad. Um, and obviously, we're not pure, holy parents all the time. And we can apologize, which is what we should do. I apologize many times to my kids. Uh, but... They come to get a glimpse of what God's like. He's dependable. As he got a little more experience with child rearing, he became a little less grouchy. The smack of the hand wasn't always the first response. When I was growing up, my father was a pastor in our early years, and um, they were always small churches. And um, we moved. It just so happened. We moved every three years. This would provide a very settled, secure foundation for a child. 
Now, if God calls you to do that, okay. I don't know if God called my mom and dad to do that. I'm not saying he didn't. I'm just saying the system that they were pastoring in, you know, you, you took votes every year, you vote pastor in or out, and my dad's longevity was three years. But when I got married, I asked God a personal favor, and you can do that. Jesus says, let this, let this cup pass from me, because I don't want to do this, if it's possible. But nevertheless, I'll do what you want me to do. I said to God, and I was in the pastor. We'd started a church. I said to God, would you allow me not to move until my children are out of high school? I mean, I had taken all kinds of abuse. Every time you move, you didn't have relationships. My dad was raised at a time uh, pastorally where you were taught you couldn't have friends in the church. You'd be showing favoritism. We didn't have friends. We didn't have money. Couldn't go anywhere. And I was a preacher's kid. I remember he, distinctly on, on a bus one day, this would have been junior high, and uh, a guy who we had a hate, love-hate relationship. I was just trying to survive. But on the bus, he asked me some question. This was in the morning, uh, going to school, about Spanish homework. And, and I don't remember whether I thought the answer would be in the front, the index, or the glossary in the back. I don't remember. But uh, wherever I opened up, Todd said it was a wrong. This is the glossary, not the table of contents. This isn't the Bible. You know, so this, so that's the that's the environment um, that I grew up in, not very settled. And so um, I just asked God. And I had to ask him several times along the path of my kids growing up as some things were really rough at some other places, not within the family, but am I still supposed to stay? Um, but I was able to. Now, I'm in charge of my life. I'm not in charge of yours. So if you moved or do move, if the military moves you, your job moves you, and you think those things are good steps and, and all that, uh, that's not for me to determine. I'm just saying as a reflection to my children of what I did not get in my parents' relationship with me uh, out of circumstance, I wanted my children to have stability. All right. So uh, I've got a few resources here. Uh, if you're looking for some place to go, you just take a picture of that and uh, refer to it later. The Willard uh, Harley um, is also not the author of that book alone, but he's the person behind the Marriage Builders website. The Five Love Languages, The Secret to Love That Lasts, that's the first one Gary Chapman wrote. And it is about uh, the love languages within a marriage. Some of you know about the love languages because there's been numerous books written since that he has done. Uh, the Five Love Languages Applied to Your Family, you know, Applied to work environment, all kinds of things. But this one, the very first one, is about marriage relationship. Um, those things could be of great help to you.
Now, here's, here's the deal, though. We come now all the way down to this, and there's some questions that have been raised, and some of you might wonder. I'm just going to make this clear. If I'm single, does that mean I'm doing an incomplete job of, marrying, of mirroring who God is? The way you mirror who God is in your life is through the fruit of the Spirit. And if you're single, developing the fruit of the Spirit in you, wonderful. Not about whether you get married or not. That doesn't prove anything. Now, in a God-honoring marriage, uh, in a God-honoring yeah, marriage, sex is reserved for that relationship. So being celibate sexually is what God is asking of you. But he isn't saying you have to get married because you're not demonstrating what the church is like. Not, not true. Not true. What do you do if you have already messed up? You're divorced. You did or did not have anything to do with in, initiating that. May have been just you got dumped with it from your spouse. But what if you did? What if you just said, I want out, it's too hard? Well, now all you got to do is say, mm, Dear Lord, I'm sorry that I spit on your reputation. Please forgive me. If I have the opportunity again, help me do it right this time. What if you were divorced and remarried? Now, the solution is not to divorce this person and go back and remarry the initial one, because you still have two, two things that aren't great and are disastrous to you. All you do is say, I'm starting from where I'm at. Here's where I'm at. I've got a spouse, a new different relationship. I may or may not have never known back then what I was doing. I didn't intend to do anything that was hurtful to God or to me, but I repent, even if I'm still kind of glad that I left. Um, I repent, Lord. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Help me do it right this time. Um, now, Please understand, I'm not talking about if you're in an abusive relationship. I'm not talking about if you, your children, are in a dangerous situation, you're threatened, uh, your life is, you can't be certain you're safe, you are being abused. I'm not talking about any of that. Get out, get help. That's what happens there. What if your marriage is on the rocks? All, all I can ask of you right now is to say, I know it may feel like it's completely gone. There's no hope. All I can say at the moment, there's no guarantees, but if you will commit to the Lord, I want to live, I want to live as righteously as possible in this marriage as far as it goes with me. Help me do that. And it may be really, 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 really tough given the stuff in the marriage. Well, all you can do is what you could do. That may not save the other person from leaving. All you can do is all you can do at the moment. <clears throat> what if you're living with someone but you're not married? You have two 
God-pleasing options, if you care about God, please. One is to move out and no longer have sex with each other. I thought you said this would not end up where I thought it was. Well, you thought I was going to be talking about obey, submit. This is a real hard one. It's so accepted in our society that if you are, marriage doesn't mean anything. You don't have to be married to have kids. You don't have to be married to have sex. All that can happen without being married. So what's the point of marriage? Well, we've answered that question, what's the point of marriage? It's supposed to be a reflection of God's permanence and his faithfulness to us. So the other possibility that you have, besides moving out, is you can go to the justice of the peace just as soon as possible and be married. And you can have a ceremony later, the big party and all of that, and all of us and the people around will, will celebrate with you. We, we've had numerous people who have done that, rectified a, uh, a, a, a wrong situation, but still got to celebrate. Now, you do have to examine, can I make that kind of a commitment to this person? If, if we're going to all of a sudden talk about permanency, can I make that? Maybe, maybe it's just time you have to leave. But you can get married and just say, okay, God, we want to go on from here doing as best as we can. All right, let's all stand God will never leave you or forsake you. He will never claim, I don't know who that person is. I don't want that person. I've given up on that person. It doesn't matter what you do, or not, whether it's talking about marriage or something else. So the last thing I say today is, please, if you're in need of God's forgiveness, Ask and receive. His delight is in restoring you in the path that leads you to the fullest expression of life as he has defined it. It's not about turn your cheek. I want to slap you on the other side. And that's true for all of us. That needs to be our disposition as married people towards those who've had a challenge in their marriage. All right? That's who we are. That's who we are. So uh, there are prayer teams on either side over here. You may have a prayer uh, need for something other than what we, the message was about today. We just always want to make that available. Uh, maybe it is something about this message, and, and that's great. Uh, these people just, they pray all week long, and they, they stand ready to elevate you from where you're at and ask God to step in and help. All right? So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, where we don't understand faithfulness, uh, just define it for us. Give us a real picture. It's not a, a loose, easy word that it means something. It's 
help us see with new eyes a vision for marriage, for people who are married. They aren't to be pitied. Um, they are actually doing God's work. And where marriages are sort of um, tired, Lord, I'm asking for a rejuvenation. How does that come? And that someone is brave enough to take a step. And you know, I shouldn't have. Let's do this. When I already said, no way we're doing that. Bring a grace. Grace, 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 grace. Thank you, Lord. Amen.